Hey everybody, it's me, Ed Carbajal, here for the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. Today is February 16th, you'll notice that I am solo this week on this week's episode of the podcast, which is brought to you by AllAccessMMA.com. Make sure you check out AllAccessMMA.com for your mixed martial arts news. Um, Matt is uh, off this week because he has to entertain family that came in from out of town, and I'm actually pre-recording this because I'm likely on an aeroplane as you listen to this week's episode of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. Obviously, this is the one after UFC 271, and there's a lot to get through. Um, Oftentimes, you'll hear me mention a video vlog that I do for another outlet called MMANews.com. It's called the Sunday Submission. So what I did, because I write an editorial for the pay-per-view, and then uh, every Sunday I do the, the vlog for them. So what you're going to hear is the audio off of uh, that I did off of based on the editorial I wrote, which is pretty much a summation of things that ha- of significance that happened uh, at UFC 271. I know we also have Bellator 274 this week at uh, in my neck of the woods of Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. But uh, like I said, I'm doing something I haven't done in a long time, which is take a vacation. So I won't be in cold ass Connecticut. I'll be someplace nice and warm for the weekend. So um, really quick, if you want my take on the main event, that's uh, Neiman Gracie versus Logan Storley. Jiu-Jitsu guy versus folk-style wrestling guy. Um, I'm thinking uh, the grappling will be foregoed and the better striker is going to win. Um, I don't know, man. You never know uh, in, in mixed martial arts. And uh, my picks haven't been that great. <laughs> if you've been following the, the stuff I've been putting in my newsletter, I got to stop doing fighter parlays. The only one I got right was Taitui Basa. And if you listen to our predictions that Matt and I did from uh, for UFC 271, you'll see that he was more correct than I was in our picks. Especially, Not only was he right in picking the fights, but he also called the UFC bumping up um, Hinato Moicano. And Hernandez fight bumped that up to the to the main uh, portion of the pay per view. So shout out to Matt Hawkins, as always, getting his uh, his uh, tapped into the vein of MMA as he always is. So um, we'll be back next week, back to normal though. But before I move on, um, again, you're gonna listen to my seven takeaways audio from MMAnews.com. Really quick, there's a couple of things I want to add because there's some news that came out after that. Um, I mentioned the judging going back and forth, and I also, in that episode, I plugged, uh, I always plug this podcast on that show, but I mentioned Sean Wheelock's last ep- of appearance on this podcast, where we talk about judging and, and the things that go into judging and what makes uh, judging when you're there in the arena unique, and it really does depend on who's looking. So I talk about that, but um, it's off of this podcast that I was referencing, so check out the very last appearance, Sean Wheelock was on Coast to Coast Combat Hour where we talk about that. Um, it's around the, I think it's around the 13-minute mark because I was going to write something about it. Mm. And another thing that I wanted to bring up was that I also mentioned that you're going to listen to is Michael Chandler's tweet. You'll hear me read it at verbatim um, in what you're about to listen to from the audio of the Sunday submission. But he pretty much talked about how you have to go balls to the wall, especially if you're making the money that Israel Adesanya made. You know, um, he wasn't happy with Israel Adesanya's performance, and a lot of people weren't. I actually asked a question on Quora, the question and answer site, 
Um, is uh, he playing it too safe these days? So there's two arguments to that. One of the ones I talked about with Eric McGracken of Combat Sports Law, when fighters that are as intelligent as Israel Adesanya is are fighting in this in the way that they're protecting their physical and their actual brain health by fighting the way that he fought. He fight a, a smart fight. You know, he, he's going balls to the wall. The Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, as fun as it is for us, and Eric McGracken even said he's guilty of loving those fights. But then when you when you step back into reality as a, not the bloodthirsty MMA fan, but just a regular human being, you remember that these fighters are humans and, you know, we want them to have, uh, we don't want them to be messed up when they're older, when they step away from the sport. So that's something to think about when you listen to what uh, Michael Chandler had to say about, about the uh, fight. So it's, there's two ways to look at it. So in that sense, but you know, you want Adesanya to keep doing what he's doing. But in, on the other sense, when you get to the quote unquote, just bleed mentality, you know, there's, there's a lot of criticism to be had of the way Adesanya fought, which is why the whole judging thing is coming up. Um, and my other take that I wanted to add to this before I switch over and let you listen to the rest of that audio is uh, there's a lot of talk of uh, who Adesanya fights next. So we know Jared Kennanier won at UFC 271. We know Adesanya wants that fight most likely in June. Um, what what uh, the thing about the UFC and their matchmaking is, you know, they could they'll they'll book what makes the most money. Um, Kamzat Chimaev is supposed to fight Gilbert Burns soon. I think at two, UFC 273 uh, or four. So if he wins the way that he's been winning, you might make a case to sell a fight between um, Kamzat Chimaev and Israel Adesanya. And the reason I say that, we know Kamzat is competing at 170, but he did, did beat a ranked fighter at 185 when he had to fill in um, back in the, uh, the first Abu Dhabi run on Fight Island where we all met, you know, Kamzat Shemaev where he got on the UFC radar and global scale and, and the popularity that he has. Henry Cejudo seems to think he can beat him. And in all honesty, I can't help but agree with him because if we've seen anything about Adesanya and we can add the, Rob, the second Robert Whitaker fight to that, he can get taken down relatively easy. Now, Whitaker is not the same level wrestler that Chimaev is. Neither is uh, Blockowitz or was it Blockowitz, right, that he lost to when he moved to light heavyweight? I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right on that. But um, we've already seen that's the, the hole in his game is if you if you can get past his his cerebral striking, um, he's going to uh, he's going to um, be able to uh, you're going to be able to have your way with him. And grappling. I mean, there was points in the fight with UFC 274 where, where Whitaker just kind of walked away from him. And I don't know if it was because of the damage to the leg or or something outside of his game plan. But we still saw him, which is why people are saying there's some people out there saying Robert Whitaker won, you know, because of the takedowns versus Adesanya winning because of his counter striking. So um, it looks like the, the way to beat Adesanya is through wrestling. Um, and getting him, getting him on the ground. I know he did much better with getting his back to the cage, you know, um, when he was fighting Whitaker. But that's because it was in the weight class that he's dominant in versus uh, what happened at light heavyweight. So, 
I just wanted to uh, add those because uh, that's news that came out after I recorded the uh, MMANews.com Sunday submission, seven takeaways audio that you're about to hear. So please enjoy the audio. We will be back to normal next week, but you know, we, we already missed a few weeks for a couple of like um, uh, personal things that happened in both of our lives between Matt and I and all the stuff craziness that's been going on. So we're trying to keep the train going. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Of course, leave your, all your comments and everything on, on Twitter and Spotify and all the places that you uh, listen to the podcast. Make sure you give us a follow at Combat Hour on Twitter, uh, Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. Myself, uh, I mentioned it a bunch of times, so I'm not going to give out my t- handle again. But mostly it's at Carbazel on Twitter. Um, please sign up for my newsletter. The links are, are will be in this podcast. And... Um, yeah thank you so much guys for sticking with the ride enjoy and um i'll have a i'll have probably have a lot to talk about when i get back from my trip next week looking forward to uh getting back to the regular programming until then enjoy the audio you're about to listen to thanks again without further ado since we had a pay-per-view last night um we'll get right into uh the I usually do the seven takeaways for MMANews.com, and um, there's a lot to take away, um, even stuff after the fact um, that I wrote, wrote about. So I'll, I'll bring up the uh, piece for reference that I wrote, <clears throat> freshly squeezed content, usually right after the press conference of the event. Um, and, um, you know, it's funny how uh, leading into the week, you know, we got to talk about the whole. There's, I list things on here. Um, and there's stuff about contracts. I mean, we would, uh, especially with Adesanya, how he uh, <coughs> didn't do his um, end of the deal until like fight the week of the fight. Not only did he sign his end, but he um, signed to fight um, Whitaker. I'm sorry, signed to renew his contract, a uh, multi fight deal with the UFC. To uh, I put the tweet on here because uh, Bronstetter put out the quote from his management paradigm sports, making him one of the top paid ash- athletes in the history of mixed martial arts, um, which is pretty big, significant. And it's funny because I didn't see it until after the fact. Actually, Michael Chandler had uh, something to say about Adesanya's performance in last night's fight. And I know a lot of you do, too, because from what I'm seeing, <clears throat> there's a lot of discussion going on back and forth about how the fight was scored, who won what, and, you know, who who you guys thought won versus well, who, to what came in officially. I mean, this is this is always, this is not nothing new in, in combat sports and MMA. Mm. But it's worth noting um, because I, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, there was, some, there was some funny judging at the Apex last weekend at the event there. And then... <clears throat> Before we talk about what was happening on uh, before fight night with the Joe Rogan stuff and everything else, um, you know, I I, I took away I did I wanted to make sure we gave uh, Roxanne Modafferi her her due respect because of the time she's put in the sport and all she's put on the line for chasing her own uh, journey as a martial art pursuing her own journey as a martial artist, which really never ends. She's I'm sure she's still going to be training and teaching. 
and stuff like that. Um, but the Happy Warrior fought her last fight last light last night, and she lost. And it was a split decision <coughs> loss. And I briefly mentioned it because I didn't want to take away from the fact that this is her last fight. But the judging of that fight was definitely um, something that was hard to ignore. Um, and one of the judges uh, gave the fight to Mataferi. And you have to wonder where this is where it brings up the question of what the, what are the judges watching, what's motivating, watching and what's motiv- motivating them to submit to this, what they submit on the scorecards. And if you follow UFC news on Twitter, <clears throat> they always tweet the scorecards. I forget the gentleman's name, but, um, you know, he's, he's a, a, I think he's an actual rocket scientist. I'm not being funny. I think, um, Eric McGracken of combat sports law started looking into it because that was just, there was, it was odd that someone sitting there as close to the fight in the arena judged the fight the way that they did. Right. Um, and now there's a lot of back and forth discussion about about judges and their training, and this seems to be happening more and more as the sport gets more popular. Um, what training they get, or what they what 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 are the qualifications to become a judge? I don't know. I've actually spoken to uh, Sean Wheelock, who's not just a voice on the microphone during combat sports events. He sits on the Kansas board of uh, the Athletic Commission in Kansas. Um, and he's uh, he is the official rules and regs guy over for the folks at Triller, right? So we actually had him on the podcast that I do, Coast to Coast Combat Hour. And if you want to check that out, I'm I'm probably going to be sharing that episode uh, early this week. Again, make sure you give me a follow on the tweeters. That's my handle once again. But <clears throat> the thing about it is, um, he he actually brought up a really good point. When he was on the for the for boxing, he was on the microphone as the official rules and regs guy during the whole um, the one they did in, in Florida with Belfort and um, Belfort and Holyfield. <clears throat> and there was a there was a you know there was a, there was two boxers that competed on that card that weren't part of the whole MMA versus boxing and none of that it wasn't Anderson Silva Teeter it wasn't any of those. Was two two boxers. I forget their weight classes, and I'm sorry for forgetting their names because it was actually the one of the better legit boxing matches on that card. But um, people had uh, there was odd judging going on in that, and he made a very good point. And um, shout out to Hunter Homostek who's making the point this morning on on uh, MMA Twitter about the difference of you watching the fight at home versus being in the arena as as close as the commentators or media or anything like that is I am. I, for one, and uh, to Hunter's point, it really depends on how you watch the fights. When I've covered events and I've sat in media row, <clears throat> I watch what's going on in front of me, but it's mixed martial arts. Oftentimes the fight goes to the ground. And if, if you're sitting ground level, looking at an elevated cage and you're trying to watch it that way the whole time, you're not seeing what the folks see at home. Personally, when that happens, I often will look up. If you've ever seen any, anyone that sat with me in media row uh, that I know on MMA Twitter can can vouch for this, I'm usually looking at the the monitor that's in the arena. You know, you got to remember when you're in like that 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 uh, environment with a crowd and you're cheering and drinking and stuff like that. You know, you could be watching. You're probably checking the highlights, 
but most of folks it, it's it's uh what do they call that there's a there's a psychological name for the whole i don't want to say soccer mob but there's like there's something not as negative sounding for it but um you know that's what's happening but if if you think that's what's happening with fans what do you think is happening with a judge that's just pretty much there to watch and, and submit a card plus he's got to do math <laughs> adding up the points and i know 10 nines and eights aren't that hard to add up <clears throat> but um they're giving criteria and they're they're making their notes or, or whatever they're doing so and they're sitting there's there's a lot going on for them it's it's not it's just as good as the analysts are doing everyone has monitors and stuff that they can watch but when you're in a, a, a there's so much other noise going on you have to take into account the point of view of the person submitting that score um and that's something Wheelock touched on when we had him on the podcast the second time because of what he said during that trailer event and i'm starting to see this pop up a lot uh this morning on the day after um so with that being said, I know that's not the first takeaway from the event, but I wanted to I wanted to get that out of the way because as I was getting ready to record this this morning, I saw that um, you know that that was a hot topic of conversation, and uh, it wasn't just this fight with Mataferi and O'Neill. Obviously, the main event uh, for the middleweight crown, um, <clears throat> but we'll get into that. Actually, we might as well get into that now before we get into the other stuff because the other stuff is uh, I'll quote Adesanya. The other stuff is a "Quote unquote noise." <clears throat> so to beat the champ, you got to beat the champ. Uh, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, right? But you have to beat him convincingly. It seems these days. And so this is the thing about that I mentioned earlier. What Michael Chandler tweeted: If you're a very popular fighter that also holds a title, his point was, and I'm just summarizing it. You could go check Michael Chandler's Twitter. Actually, I reshared it. So let me see if I could re- read it out to you. Um, I just reshared it before I started recording this. Where is? I thought I did. Or did I like it? Here we go. I know I liked it, so. Um. Oh, I guess maybe I didn't share. Oh, here it is. I'm I'm reading Michael Chandler's tweet, uh, and this was like after the event, after the main event last night. Uh, Trust me, I love Izzy, but we have gotten to a point where a dominant champ just needs to stand there, throw a few shots per round, and he will get the he will not lose unless he gets caught, and he'll always get the nod. Izzy got paid on the on his this last contract. Go fight! Don't you dare spar. And he's got a really good point. Um, you know. I remember feeling that way towards the end of George St. Pierre's career when he wasn't finishing guys anymore. You know, when you look at one of the way uh, titles are exchanged, most of the time, the best times are usually when those are finished. And you all know I'm a fan of finishers. So the, um, the takedown. So th- this is where you have to talk about the judging again, too, because if you're looking at the takedowns and the cage control, the late, the later rounds kind of had that's what Whitaker was doing. Um Izzy's game, Israel Adesanya, I'm not gonna call him Izzy like I fucking know him. I hate I hate when fans do that. <laughs> um call people by their name. <laughs> um 
So Israel Adesanya, um, he was he's a counterpuncher, which is one of the most beautiful things he does. Probably the best counter counter striker in in mixed martial arts. But I I I can't help but not see something I agree with and with Michael Chandler tweeted because um, if if you if you're looking at the whole thing with judging and you're sitting cage side and you don't know anything about you know technique or counter striking or grappling or anything like that but you see that a guy gets taken down several times in a fight you might tend to side with the fighter doing the takedowns and controlling you know i i do agree with the decision because there's oftentimes and even daniel cormier and michael bisping said it during the broadcast there was oftentimes when whitaker was putting pressure on Adesanya and in the exchanges, like when he was, there's a point where he had his back, right? And he, and is Israel Adesanya walked him to the cage to put him against the cage and use the cage as leverage to get him off his back. And rather than continue the pressure, he would spin away and run back out to the middle of the, of the, of the cage where Adesanya does his best work because you're giving him all the range and stuff like that. So it was just, a, it was weird to see Whitaker do that. But um, again, we're all armchairing it, including the judges. Anyone that's not in there fighting is just you know, you're taking guesses because you know you're not feeling, you're not feeling the muscle, the lactic acid in the muscles build up, and how much output you're doing. You're not, you're not feeling the the pain that from those leg kicks that he got in the early in the early rounds and throughout the fight, you know, and how that affected him with with making the decision: can I keep pushing him against the cage or can I pull back? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of that going around and you just have to wonder, you know, if that if if the the pain the damage done is what caused Whitaker to to pull away like that. And that's gonna be scored against you. So um not the most exciting title fight. Um to be honest, I mean, so this is where I, where I made the GSP connection or relation. I remember that this was getting to the point where when GSP before he left and came back, you know, because when he beat Bisping, that was a nice finish. But like, like towards the end there, especially like you look at this is kind of like one of, and I know Dana White didn't. Dana White uh, had it three rounds to two for Adesanya, so um, which is kind of how I had it too, because I didn't think Whitaker lost, you know, you know, you know, dominantly. The, the first round was his worst round. And then after it looked like he needed to catch, uh, he needed to get that sense of urgency from the shots that were landed to get to uh, where he got. But um, uh, so I mean, I jumped around with the with the the, the judging because they were kind of related. But those were the two biggest takeaways that I'm taking away from it. And um, speaking of the middleweight division, might as well work our way up this list. Jared Cannoneer's, uh, uh, I mean, he kind of had a. Come come from behind victory against Derek Brunson when they because Brunson almost had him in that first round and then um you know that's kind of my pick if you look at the picks that I submitted here for MMAnews.com and and for Sure Dog and the one on the podcast I had Brunson I thought Brunson would be able to grind out a victory by nullifying the striking of Cannoneer I again I didn't take into account how that would fatigue him. You know, it looked like he, he put uh, the worst on him in that first round, and then after that, Cannoneer did what he does. So it looks like, as far as the middleweight division is concerned, we, we might see uh, Adesanya said he'd like to come back in June um, for his next title defense. Uh, 
And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, that's the fight that we get because it just looks like, I mean, Dana White agreed to it at the post-fight press conference. And, um, you know, who doesn't want to see that? Um, Adesanya did make a really good point in his post-fight interview in the cage. You know, he said, let's get some fresh meat in here because I, I think I talked about this last week too. We're starting to see the same top guys kind of fight for the same prize in a lot of the divisions in the UFC. So that's a really good shakeup. It's really nice matchmaking on this event to, to kind of line that up for us for the, for a future card and not for nothing. Um, talking about the, the, the way the, the fights were matching, you know, uh, the way they worked out, uh, the pacing of this event was really good too. Usually I'm very critical of it because having to stay up and watch all these fights and do this for MMA news.com and, and then, Watch the post-fight press conference here on the East Coast. It makes for a late night. So when the pacing drags with commercials and hype reels and all the stuff, um, that can be a pain in the ass, <clears throat> which is one of the reasons I'm not a fan of, you know, more than one title fight on the card. But um, I definitely like the pacing of UFC 271. They lost a the fight, so we can, uh, like, when I write the seven takeaways, I talk about the stuff that goes on during the week. So we already talked about the contract. What um, one fight got scrapped, and uh, you know William Knight, who was who wound up they wound up flipping his fight to the first fight on the card, um, which gave uh, Hernandez and Moicano. You know, it's funny because we were talking about on the podcast that I do. Matt, my co-host, he said, you know, and I agreed with him. That was a fight that should have been on the main portion of the card anyway. And then when this this mishap happened with the weight, we that's exactly what happened. They the way and the uh, the uh, Alex Perez uh, fight that got with Matt Schnell that got canceled. So when that got canceled, they shuffled the card a little bit and put that fight on the main card, which we were kind of like, that's where they should have been anyway. And Kyler Phillips, uh, his fantastic performance, which is not on the takeaways, but I should have put it on there. That uh, that got bumped down to the uh, ESPN uh, prelims. So, but um. 40% of his purse uh, for William Knight. I mean, four days notice. So I see a lot of people giving him a pass on that. And, I mean, why not when you get, I mean, <clears throat> to try to cut weight within a week's time, especially if you walk around a lot heavier or at least 10 pounds over, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, especially when you're fighting in the UFC, you're damned if you say no too, right? Like, if you say no when you get a call for last minute, you know, you already know that you're, you've already – put the check under your name as for your street three strikes and you're out and especially in the ufc so i don't blame him for taking the fight and you know <clears throat> they were talking about it during the broadcast but it's four days notice it was four or five days whatever you know cutting weight when you're a big man is not easy and then i mean add age and you know whatever you're doing to that i mean it's 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 definitely the struggle before the actual it's the fight before the fight as they call it um and then uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about how there was no Joe Rogan uh, calling the fights for UFC 271. So when I wrote this, um, this is the the official word was it was a scheduling conflict that Joe Rogan was not going to be on the call for UFC 271. People were already noticing during the ceremonial weigh-ins because he's usually there to read off the names and have the fighters face off with the ceremonial weigh-ins, and he wasn't there for that. And this was in Houston, Texas. Joe Rogan is in Texas. Um, 
would have been nice for him to work at home. But you might have noticed before this event, Joe Rogan has been in the news a lot lately. So I mentioned it here. I mean, because of the guests he's had on his podcast, mainly about the ones regarding COVID-19. Um, and then uh, there was footage put out there of uh, some not so nice things. He said racial slurs from, I think it was like 12 years ago. Someone put it or, or within a lot or, you know, bunch of times that he said uh, some, some pretty bad things on social media that I guess he didn't think was ever going to catch up to him. You got to remember this is when you when the business of uh, the fight game matters. So what I put on this was um, the uh, the broadcasting rights of uh, the pay per views and and everything with, that the UFC is doing now is with ESPN. ESPN is owned by Disney, um, so they sell the pay per views to everyone. You know you have to go through ESPN Plus and their paywall to buy these pay per views. Now that's how that's how it's done. So. Uh, leading up to it, we were told it was due to a scheduling conflict. Of course, Dana White was asked about it in the post-fight press conference. And his answer was that he was like, no, he actually, he said he called bullshit on it. He was like, Joe Rogan could have worked, but it was his choice to maybe step out of the limelight. So he didn't, you know, you know, because, and proof of that was when he texted John Anik during the main event. Um, because if you were watching it, Israel Adesanya kept doing this with his hand in between rounds, and um, Rogan texted Anik that he thinks that it, that uh, Adesanya hurt his hand. Adesanya debunked that at the end of the fight. You know, he was just said, show, said he was showing him his power because of right that was his right hand power hand or whatever. So of course that was you know one tweet from Rogan made it onto the pay per view. <laughs> So he was watching the fights and, and analyzing it as he does as a as a fan and as a martial artist himself. Um, Post fight press conference, Dana White called bullshit on that and said that he could have worked and that he will work whenever he wants to work. He's he can work. He's uh, they said as you see on the tweet that I put in the article here, he's scheduled to do it for UFC 272. So um, you know we'll see if that uh, if that happens. Um, if the, uh, what Adesanya called, if the noise, quote unquote, noise dies down for him, you know, we'll see. But, um, you know, this, this takes us into like one of the other questions they talked about is like, uh, where the Dana White sees, uh, um, I put this in the, in the closing paragraph where Dana White sees uh things going as far as mandates and covid you know we can see in the news and i feel it's been weird doing these because we're all it seems like we have to talk about it every time because it matters i mean it's part of the world we live in so as mandates and stuff are being list- lifted dana white's looking to hopefully do more locations and venues in 2022 but he went back to what he said if things are keep moving the way that they're moving if not Texas, Florida, Vegas, Abu Dhabi, that'll be uh, washed, rinsed, and repeated uh, as we move towards the, uh, you know, move through 2022 if things don't keep moving the way that they're moving. But we'll see. Crazy times in the world we're living in right now. Um, There are some highlights and stuff. If you go to the uh, results, um, I don't know if they had the, uh, the prelim on there. 
this is the highlights with Cannoneer and stuff like that. If you go to the results page, excuse me. Taito Ivasa. That's the takeaway that I had that I should have read you, but I picked that's the only pick I got right for this fight. Beating Derek Lewis in his backyard. However, um, I mean, there was moments in the first round, but you know, <clears throat> one thing you gotta remember about Tuivasa is he's a uh, he's one of Mark Hunt's dudes. Like he's a protege of Mark Hunt. Um, yeah, I didn't think I was going to see it on here. There was a really n- a nice fight on the prelims that um, had a, a one fighter that was damn near losing. It's uh oh Jesus, is this even on here? The prelim, the pre- ESPN play. It was a fight on Fight Pass too. Douglas Silva de Andrade and his defeat over Sergey Morozov. That highlight is not on here, but I suggest you watch. If you get a chance to watch, if you have Fight Pass, you can watch that fight right now. Um, he was getting his ass beat. He got a really bad cut right here that was running like like the River Jordan or whatever, <laughs> uh, whatever analogy you want to use. And um, I thought he was going to lose that fight, and then he comes before he comes and gets a submission. I actually had him pick to win in my overall picks that I do for, uh, with Sure Dog, but. That fight, man, if you didn't get to watch, this was a good card. I'm not going to lie. Overall, I wasn't too – and it's funny. I Maybe it's just the old man in me, but when guys get really hyped and up there like Adesanya does, um, I, uh, I, I I don't want to say I'm not on board the train because I'm a real – I'm a big fan of, like, when he's in the zone and he finishes dudes the way that he that he's finished him in the past. I mean, if he, if he did what he did to uh, – Whitaker the first time in this fight, I would have, uh, I wouldn't be um, on board with all the judging stuff going on online stuff like that. But I am, um, I'm definitely not a fan of 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 uh, like Michael Chandler said, don't go in there and spar. You know, go go earn your new money. But um, you know that's the thing about contracts. Once they're signed, you know, as long as you're not in breach of it, you're gonna get away with, uh, you know stuff like that and, and it's hard not to uh, agree with someone like michael chandler who brings it every goddamn time that he fights i mean you know the guy the guy tried to fight when he lost his title the i, I covered the event here in the madison square garden at bellator when he lost his title to brent primus and he kept trying to fight on his foot that wasn't working right anymore um guy had a bad night that night but yeah it was a great uh he's, he's definitely got bad luck in madison square garden that's for sure if I was Michael Chandler, I wouldn't fight a fight there. I get as much as I like the guy. But that's just my opinion. Um a couple of housekeeping notes before we uh close out this Sunday submission. Um, really quick, I have to uh address uh the unofficial um producer of this uh content, Luke Lopez, that always chimes in. Um he mentioned something about getting some music on this. Um YouTube so the jerk offs about it, but you gave me an idea. So please keep the comments coming. Um, also, who do you think won the fight? Uh, anyone that watches on YouTube, please drop it in the comments. I'll address it in the next Sunday submission that I do. Um, and as as far as the next, I want to make sure I got all my everything out of the way. I told I mentioned UFC two seventy two really quick. That's the um, that is the Covington. That's the next pay per view for next month. And uh, that is uh, back. UFC goes back to Las Vegas. It's Covington versus Masvidal. 
no title fights on that, but that's a pay per view, so that goes to show you don't. I'm on board with the this the the um, Rafael dos Anjos versus uh, Rafael Fiziev. This that fight was supposed to be this coming weekend, and it got there was a visa issue. Uh, I think Halwani put that out there on Fiziev's end. So it's there's there's a delay, and they're moving it to March 5th. For UFC 272, so they're stacking up the card and making the pay-per-view price worthy. Um, and as I look at it, it's pretty well stacked as it is right now. Sergey Spivak versus Greg Hardy is the opener on that card. Um, I'm not going to be uh, doing a Sunday submission this coming Sunday. I will be away. Um, I'll probably be making my way. I'm going away, and I'm coming back, making my way back to New Jersey that sunday so uh there won't be one so if you want to um you know need a break from this the i will be probably talking about because the that's on the this coming weekend the president's day weekend that saturday is bell tours uh, uh neiman gracie and uh logan storley face off at bell tour 274 is it 273 274 that's going to be on showtime um and if you're a fan of uh the wrestler versus jujitsu guy in MMA type of matches. That's a great main event to watch. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Um, and I think that is it for my notes that I have to catch up for, for all our combat sports news this week again. So no Sunday submission on the 20th. Um, I'll be back the Sunday after that, but make sure you keep it locked here at MMAnews.com. Again, thank you all for watching here on the YouTube channel. Do the thumbs up notification, do the bell uh, to get alerts for when we upload content here. A lot of good interviews from the Canadian God, James Lynch, and hot takes like this by yours truly. Go enjoy your Super Bowl. Um, I don't have any, any uh, you know, I don't care who wins the Super Bowl. No, I only watch it today. I'm one of those people that only watches football on, on Super Bowl Sunday, and I only watch like the, you know, right till the end to see who wins. But, you know, I'm an idiot, and I, I like to gamble, so I put money on the Bengals because they're the underdogs. So uh, go enjoy your Super your Super Bowl. Have a good Sunday. I'll see you in two weeks. Um, and to quote Jet Li uh, from what's the movie, Romeo Must Die, for those of you guys getting all hyped for the Super Bowl, <laughs> American football. Peace. I'm tapping out.